chapter, verse number 34 through 38. We have been in this one scripture for the last three weeks. I love the new season the Lord had us, has us in because um, he just won't move. God say, I'll move when I'm ready to move. Um, you know what I've discovered? I, was, I would do series, and I would do series to the place to almost entertain in a way where it was, I had to repent before God this week because I noticed that I was doing series to keep butts in the seats. So to say the right thing and tickle your ear about, you know, your relationships and all that other foolishness. But what good is it for me to teach you about your relationship with a man and with a woman, but your relationship with God ain't intact? So I had to, I had to really repent before him this week because the Lord took me back to some stuff I preached and he made me see some stuff and I said, Lord, this was garbage. This was garbage. It was good. It, it'll shout a church, but it was garbage because it wasn't the heart of God for where he's taking the people of God. And so I am learning to hear his voice. And when the Lord says, stay right there, I stays right there. When he says, stay, you stay. All right. So Mark the 8th chapter, verse number 34 through 38. Um, Y'all ready? All right. Let me take a drink. Hold on. My throat dry. All right, Mark the 8th chapter, verse number 34 through 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, in this adulterous and gen sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Go back to verse number 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to continue in this teaching on the conflict of, of discipleship, and this is part three. Conflict, the conflict of discipleship, and this is part three. Um, this week, we watched game six of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors in Oakland's legendary Oracle Arena. And news reports were released that one fan had paid the highest amount ever for a pair of tickets in NBA history. One fan was willing to pay, y'all ready for this? $69,287 each for a pair of courtside seats. That means one fan was willing to pay a total of $138,000 $574 for four quarters, 12 minutes a quarter, to watch the, the greatest teams compete for the winning prize. You wanted to watch Steph Curry final pregame, three-point heave from the tunnel leading to the Warriors locker room, it would cost you $48,512 for a single ticket. Just in that last game. In fact, you ready for this? The cheapest seat that was even available, according to the website, was $679. And that was way up at the top. 
because there were no cheap seats in being a fan of either team. In our text, Jesus raises a stake to let his fans know that if you're going to follow me, there are no cheap seats. In other words, there is a high price that is attached to being a follower of Jesus. Jesus, in, our, in what we just read, is trying to tell the saints, watch this. If you're trying to have a cheap, easy, feel good all the time, only want the blessings but don't want the burden kind of religion, that kind of faith, Jesus says, let me be clear my expectations. See, Jesus wants us to know, I can bless you, but just know, I want dedication from you. Jesus says, I can heal you, but just know that I want a standard of holiness for your life. He says, I can open the door for you, but I want you to know that I require consecration from you. Because I need followers that are committed to me to the place that if I don't bless you, if I don't heal you, and if I don't open the door, you still stay faithful. I knew I wasn't going to get a praise right there. Because 2 Timothy 2 and 12 says, if that if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, in Jesus, there are no cheap seats going to cost you something. And the question becomes, ladies and gentlemen, are you willing to follow Christ no matter how much it will cost you? Question I got for you, saints of God. Are you willing to follow Christ no matter how much it's going to cost you? Somebody in here could testify, it's going to cost you some sleepless nights following Jesus. It's going to cost you some rejection. It's going to cost you some inconveniences. It's going to cost you, watch this, some plans that you thought would work out. I said following Jesus is going to cost you something. It might cost you being outside of your comfort zone. It, 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 might, it might cost you persistent prayer even when you don't see no results. I ain't talking to real people right there. It might cost you battling with your flesh for years. I said for years. I said for years. I said for years. I said for years. Can I talk to some real people that say, when I came to Jesus, I thought all I had to do was spin on my head three times, and I was going to be out of it, and the sin was going to be over. But is there anybody here that say, I wrestle with that sucker day and night, and it's still bothering me to this day? Because following Jesus is going to cost you something. And the question becomes, are you willing to pay the price? Because there are no cheap seats in God. Someone might wonder, why would you go through all this just to follow Jesus? <laughs> Chantel, somebody might ask yourself, ask yourself that question. Why am I going through all this to follow Jesus? Look like people that don't know him, don't serve him, ain't calling on him, sitting in bed right now, just chillaxing. They look like they living better, doing better, living better, got more than us. Uh, why would I go through all this, even in the midst of following Jesus? And the answer always comes back to the same place. How important is Jesus to you? Ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, how important is Jesus to you? See, he's got to be so important 
oh, that, that he's important because one day he washed my sins away. That's why he's important. He's important because he gave me grace that I didn't deserve. He's important because he gave me joy like a river and peace that surpasses all understanding. The reason I got up out my bed, the reason that even though I'm tired, I still came to church, the reason why I still got hell going on in my life, but it didn't stop my praise this morning because I thought about what he did for me and how he set me free and how he delivered me. And that's why I'm in church after still catching hell, after my prayer still not being answered because I serve a God that did so much for me that I owe him my life. Is there anybody in here that can give God praise because he means just that much to you? That's why I'm willing to pay the price because he did something for me I couldn't do for myself. He did something for me my grandmama couldn't do. He did something for me my mama tried to do. He did something for me my daddy could never do. He saved me, God. I wish I had more people that got excited about salvation, that my, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that he snatched me out of the grips of hell, that he got me back from the devil, that he bought me off, off from the marketplace, and I'm been set free, and I'm free from sin, and I'm free from my past, and I'm free from worry, and I'm free from depression, and I'm free from pain. Is there anybody in here that can give God glory because God I did something for you that couldn't nobody else. I need you to take the next five seconds, open up your mouth and give God glory that he did something for you that you could never do for yourself. That's why I do it. That's why I serve him. That's why I worship him. Because he did something for me I couldn't do for myself. And in our text, Jesus lays out the process of discipleship. I got to go quickly. Jesus says, if any man would come after me, what he say first? Let him deny himself. And in previous weeks, we looked at how the process of discipleship starts with self-denial. If you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you got to first start at self-denial. Everybody say self-denial. The word deny means to disavow any connection to something, to state that you are not connected to it in any way, uh, in, in whatever view. Jesus says, look at your flesh and deny that. Look at your fallen nature and deny that. Choose to no longer live like the rest of the world. I missed us right there. Choose to no longer live like the rest of the world. So the reason why I don't, that I don't go to club ain't because I'm better than anybody, ain't because I'm so holy, because uh, just to be real, there's some of us that want to go. But because I'm choosing to deny myself, I choose to stay home on Saturday night because I know Sunday morning I got worship. And I don't want to go in his temple with unclean hands. I got to go in his temple right because I got to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto to God so that's why I turn down sin and deny myself don't mean I don't want it don't mean I don't want it I said I don't mean I wish I had some real people that I don't mean I don't want it but the reality is I know who owns me and I got to deny myself because my body and my mind and my will belongs to him sorry I ain't got your call this morning and I ain't got your house and I ain't got your breakthrough I got self-denial Watch this, denying self. Watch this, denying self. Not, never saw this before, didn't teach this before, but I got to give this to you. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. Watch this. Some people practice self-denial by withholding certain things from themselves. So when Lent comes around, everyone says they're giving up some habit. 
you know, for the next 30 days. I ain't eating no pork. You don't even eat pork. <laughs> we have a pork chop once every six months. <laughs> Lent come around, I'm giving up sodas. You don't even drink sodas like that. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't affect you in any way. Watch this. But denying self is far more intense than that. Denying self implies, watch this, that I stop listening to my own voice. Now, I know I'm coming up against the spirit right there because the way of the world now tells you to listen to your inner voice. And sometimes your inner voice is satanic. Sometimes your inner voice is what got you into trouble. Come on, you listen to your inner voice and you, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Y'all want me to go there? Albert, they don't want me to go there. Sometimes you listen to your inner voice. Sometimes your inner voice got you in a world of trouble. Your inner voice told you to buy something you couldn't afford. Come on, that inner voice will get you in some trouble. And God is saying you got to do self-denial. You got to deny yourself. You got to make sure that you stop listening to that inner voice. Because uh, can we just be real? Some of our inner voice is crazy. My inner voice will love somebody one minute and hate them the next. Ask your neighbor, who you listening to? Who you listening to? Who you listening to? Because that inner voice is schizo. It's schizophrenic. It's all over the place. One minute it loves. One minute it hates. One minute it wants. The next minute you, want, you don't want nothing. That inner voice is all over the place. And God is saying, if you're going to come after me, you got to deny yourself. You got to make sure you stop listening to your own inner voice and say, God, what is your will? What is your way? What do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Okay. See, denying self implies that I stop leaning on my own power. I stopped trying to fulfill my own will and wishes. And I was done writing this, and the Lord said this to me, and I don't know who this is for. God gave this to me, but somebody in here. He said, when you start to deny yourself, self-denial, when you start to just say, no, I'm not going to listen to my inner voice, I stopped trying to answer my own prayer. <sighs> Can I just sit in that for a minute? Because you know what I've discovered? Sometimes I pray and God don't come quick enough. So now I got to uh, befuddle the whole thing and make sure I fix it right. Because, you know, I want God to look bad. I don't want God to look I don't want God to look bad. So I have to answer the prayer because, you know, God didn't move quick enough. You know, I've been praying and he didn't come through. So now I got to make sure that, you know, God's name is on the line. You know, God's name is on the line. So I got to make sure that I make it work for, you know, because it's for God's sake. I mean, not for me. And how many know that sometimes the worst decisions in your life came from when you tried to answer your own prayer? Because God wasn't coming quick enough, so you had to move and do some things and move some things around. Come in, Sarah, because God didn't do it like you thought he was going to do it through Abraham. You had to fix it, so you had to bring Hagar in the picture and say, well, why don't you lay with her? And if you lay with her, that'll be the promised child, and we'll fix it up for God. And God said, you ain't got to fix it for me. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there just in the nick of time. Can we take a pause for the call and give God glory that God, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Give your neighbor a high five and say, stop trying to answer your own prayer. Stop trying to, just wait on God to do it. Because when I truly deny myself, hurry up, Philip, I have no will but his will. I have no plans 
but his plans. I have no wants but what he wants for me. When I deny myself, I give up all my rights and I relinquish all control of my life to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not after, watch this, behavior modification. He's after spiritual transformation. He don't want you to speak in tongues in here and cuss people out in the parking lot. He, he don't want you to act holy in here and then you nasty at people at Walmart. Come on. He wants to make sure that who you are in here is who you are out there. And who you are out there is who you are up in here. He's not looking for you to change your behavior. He wants to transform you. Come on. Like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And when the, you look at the butterfly, you can't even tell that the butterfly used to be a caterpillar because they don't even look the same anymore. And it's like anybody here that say, when God started working on me, I look completely different than who I used to be. Honey, I used to cuss like a sailor. Now I don't cuss like that no more. And like that no more. You know, I used to drink like a fish, but God took the taste out my mouth that even when I smell it, it bothers me now I used to smoke blunts left and right but now I can't even stand the smell of it why because he transformed me he did something in me he changed me on the inside and is there any Christian in here that's grateful to God that he transformed your life that who you used to be is not who you are today he says you got to be transformed be not conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the what renewing of your your mind Everybody say this, I am changing. So Jesus says, deny yourself. What are you denying? I talked about this last week. You, uh, you deny yourself trust. Stop trusting yourself so much. Stop trusting yourself. You can't trust yourself with that money. Fold the sun down, it'll be spent. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust yourself in your singleness right now. It's been a long time. You can't trust yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't trust yourself. You can't trust yourself. Because you will mess up the whole thing. And God is saying, watch this, deny that. Deny trying to trust yourself. When was the last time you got an accountability partner? And say, this is where I'm struggling, and I need you to help me through this. Not do it for me, but check me every now and again. How you coming with that pornography? How are you coming with that depression? How are you dealing with that anger? See, we ain't got people around us that can do that. And then we come in church and get out of control. And God is saying, you need to deny that. Watch this. Not just deny self-trust. You got to also deny what? Self-sufficiency. Thinking that you can be your own source. Thinking that you got it all on your own. You got to deny self-sufficiency. Can I tell you something? Newsflash. Can I, can I just let you in on a little secret? Let me let you in a little, little secret. This is for the single women in here. Just for the single women in here. Just for the single women in here. If you don't get self-sufficiency under control, don't try to get married. Don't you get married to a real man. Because a real man is going to want to provide and take care of but when you're self-sufficient, you bring stuff home and ain't ask nobody. Oh, I'm meddling now, and I don't care. I'm trying to keep arguments up out your house. You, you ain't say nothing to nobody? You made plans and ain't, ain't included nobody else? They getting quiet in here. You better get self-sufficiency under control. That God supplies all my needs. 
that I don't have to fix this thing in order for to make God good good on what God is doing. I can stand still and see that God is going to make a way and he's going to supply. I ain't got to scheme on my job and try to throw somebody under the bus in order to get ahead. I can trust God that even while they're talking about me and trying to dog me, I'll stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I ain't got to put my mouth on anybody. God will defend me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't know who that's for, but I need somebody to go back on your job tomorrow. Hold your head up high and don't worry about what people got to say about you. God will take care of you. Is there anybody in here that know that God will take care? Denying the feeling that tells you that you are able to handle life on your own because it's your pride that wants to make you be independent of God. But if I deny myself because I realize I can't do this on my own, I depend on God even for my next breath. There's some of us in here that say, I depend on God even get up out the bed. Just wave your hand if I'm talking to you. I depend on God to even get up out the bed. I depend on God to raise these nappy-headed children. I depend on God, these narrow behind, that's what my mama used to call us, your narrow behind self. I, 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 I depend on God to go to the job I have to go to. I depend on God to drive in traffic. I depend on God. I depend on God for everything. I can't do it on my own. I'll be wiped away if I have to do this life all by myself, but thanks be unto God that he is a present help in the time of trouble. He's right there when I need him most and I give God glory because I depend on him for everything. Look at your neighbor tell him for everything honey. For everything. I need him for everything in my life. So how do I deny myself? I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm just going to give it to you. Psalms 38 and, uh, 38 and 18. Psalms 51 and 17. We talked about this on last week. Get the, uh, go back and listen to it. What, what did we say? How do you deny yourself? You got to break your what? Your spirit. If you're going to deny yourself, you got to break your spirit. Come to the place with God that you realize that you have nowhere to turn, that you have reached the end of yourself, and not to pursue happiness, but to pursue holiness. Not to try to build your own positive self-image, but conform to the image of Christ. Not seeking after affirmation, but seek to be anointed. God says, that's where I will meet you. It's in your brokenness. Will you break your spirit and say, God, I ain't nothing. I ain't nothing but filthy rags. I'll be lost without you. That's how you break your spirit. God, before I go in this job, I need you. So I'm just going to break this spirit, break this attitude of mine, break this disposition, because I know me. If I walk up in there without you, I'll walk past everybody and not speak to nobody. But if I got you on the inside and you are leading me and guiding me, I can walk in with a smile on my face and it not be fake and it not be phony, but I can be real. I need to break my spirit. I need you to break me so that I can obey your will and bring you glory everywhere that I go. You got to break your spirit. So number one, you got to have self-denial. Number two, you got to have cross-bearing. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must what? Deny himself and take up his cross. And when Jesus said this, it must have, it had brought some anxiety in their lives because he knew, they knew exactly what it meant to be cru crucified. History tells us that over 30,000 Jews were crucified by the Romans during the time of Jesus. They, they knew exactly what it meant when Jesus said, you have to take up your cross because the victims who were going to be crucified had to drag the cross to the place of their own execution. They understood that cross-bearing meant shame, humiliation, and suffering. I know we don't like to talk about this in church. We want to talk about how he's going to bless you. But when was the last time you heard a sermon on the shame that you have to go through and the humiliation that you have to experience and the suffering that you have to endure while following God? 
I know every, every sermon leads to, oh, you coming out. But, but what do you do when you have to tell the saint of God? Shame is a part of this package. Humiliation is a part of the package. Let's be clear. All, soft, all suffering is not a cross. Hate to mess you up. Last week I said this. I'm going to say it again. Your in-laws are not your cross. Your way with children are not your cross. Your boss, sorry, it's not your cross. They may be a pain in the neck, but they're not your cross. The trials and hardships in your life may not be your cross. So what does Jesus mean, take up your cross? It is suffering that comes because of a faithful connection to Jesus Christ. Jesus is literally calling his disciples, you and I, here we go, to die to ourselves. Now, Amber, this raises the stakes for me because you first say deny yourself. Now you're saying die to yourself. Ain't that some mess? So I can't have what I want, but that ain't good enough. Now God say you got to die to it too as well. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he raises the stakes over and over. He is calling us to a commitment to a lifestyle, watch this, oxymoron, of a living death. Dying to our flesh. Die. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Die to our attitude. Help me, Lord. Die to my own agenda. Die to my way of thinking. Die to my needing to always be right. Y'all getting uncomfortable now. I don't care. Dying. Die to needing to, watch this, be in control. He says, die to that. Not die to the person that's getting on your nerves. Die to all that. Somebody just lift one hand and say, help me, Lord. Uh, I got to die to it. And Jesus says, you must take up your cross. In fact, the word cross is never found in a plural or an indefinite article before it, like a cross. You search the scripture, you'll never find it that way. It always, the cross is, in, is always in the active voice and not the passive. So this cross is not something that is laid upon you, but it's something that you must take up. That's why it's not your boss. Your boss was laid on you. But your anger issue, you got to take that up. See the difference? See the difference? This is why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness and high That's why. Because it's not about you. It ain't about your neighbor. It ain't about your enemy. It ain't about the person you don't like. It ain't about them cousins that's talking about you. It ain't about the people on your job. He says, I need you this to die. Because when you get this on the inside of you to die, you can deal with the boss. You can deal with an attitude. You can look right at them while they're rolling their eyes and just laugh and say, God bless. <laughs> Has anybody, come on, we in the South. You ever looked at somebody and say, bless your heart. Just bless your heart. Bless your heart. Watch this. We must be willing to bear the shame, the reproach, the humiliation, the suffering, the hatred, and the alienation that comes from the cross. Because the cross represents the circumstances in our lives that humble us, expose us, offend our pride, shame us, and reveal the evil in our hearts. Because, let me tell you something, the cross reveals that, not blessings. Blessings hide what's really wrong with us. I said, blessings hide what's really wrong with us. I'm going to say that again. Blessings hide what's really wrong with us. See, a blessing of trying to get a man or a woman can hide the fact that you're really just a little girl and a little boy. 
it's hidden. We can't see it real good because the blessing just hid it. But God says sometimes I got to withhold the blessing for a minute to deal with what's really there so it can be killed. Ooh, I, I know this ain't for everybody, but say, I need somebody to say, Lord, whatever's in me that don't please you, kill it, 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 kill it. Whatever's in me that don't please you, kill it, God. Kill it, God. Because your cross will reveal the errors in your life. So here's what I didn't get to last week that I need to kind of pick up and move forward, and I'm done. Uh, you don't? <laughs> Suri, you need to get saved. <laughs> so... Um, I'll repeat all this, Joni, afterwards so you understand. All right? God, that just blessed me. Everybody say cross-bearing. Cross-bearing, write this down, is the pruning process. Cross-bearing is the pruning process. When you bear your cross, it means that God is pruning you. Okay? Let's go to 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 10. 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 10. 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 10. 1 Peter. God says you have to bear your cross because there's some things I need to prune off of you. When you take a plant and it has dead leaves on it, they will always tell you, cut off those dead leaves. Because do you know that something dead that is attached to the plant will still drain the plant? And there's something on the inside of us that needs to be pruned because it's dead, but it's still draining. 1 Peter 5, verse number 10. If you have it, say amen. And after you have suffered a while... The God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Notice this from this text, y'all. He can't restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you until after you have what? Suffered a while. You have to suffer in order for him to restore. You got to go through your pruning process. Go over to James, the first chapter. James, the first chapter, verse number two through four. James, the first chapter, verse number two through four. James one, verse number two through four. James one, verse number two through four. You got it? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, your faith has to be tested, ladies and gentlemen. Your faith has to stand trial. See, let me, let, before I even move on, you can't come to God and say, I have faith unless your faith has been tested. Your words have to match up with what came out your mouth. 
you can't say that God is a good God until you first find out how good he can be. Your faith has to stand trial. Your faith has to be, be tested because God wants to see if what you say out your mouth is really real. He wants to make sure that you got a testimony behind this thing. You ain't just a Memorex Christian. Y'all don't know what Memorex is. I got some old school people in here that know. Um, okay, let me help the, the millennials and, and the younger ones. Um, back in the day, um, we used to, in my day, um, when I was coming up, we had something. Uh, my grandmother had something called an 8-track. And the 8-track, where she had all these Mahalia Jackson 8-tracks. And, um, and you hear in the upper room all day long, and she would play on the 8-track. Now, the thing about 8-track is 8-tracks, um, you can't rewind. You have to wait till it goes all the way to the end, and then it clicks and then it rewinds all the way back to the beginning. So you can't listen to your favorite song over and over again. You just have to just hear it all the way through. Mark is looking at me like he don't know what I'm talking about. Um, that was an 8-track. Well, after 8-track, we had something called a cassette. Okay, you ain't, you, you ain't old school like me when you used to listen to the radio and wait till your favorite song came on and you press record. Because you, you wasn't paying that money to buy no single. <laughs> Explain it to the children, you know. Deron looking at me like, I don't know what he talking about. It's all right. It's all right. So a cassette back then, you would, watch this, you would press record from the radio um, and you would, because it was your favorite song, and you would wait for it to come on. And back then, I don't know if y'all like me, uh, you ever uh, used to call into the radio and put your request in the request line? And then they put your voice on the radio? Um, this is Philip from Open Locker, and I want to request, I ain't going to tell y'all what I requested. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And all of a sudden, I hear my voice on the radio, and I press record real quick. Watch this. And when I pressed record, I had my, my, my little song on there. And if you got real good, you created you a little mixtape off of it. Good old days. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, everything is a chip now. You know, y'all, it's all in the air now. Um, and, and so uh, back then we had something called Memorex. They were cassette tapes called Memorex. Because the fascinating thing about Memorex was that it would record whatever was playing across the system in order for you to have it so you can recycle it over and over and over again. And God is saying, I don't need you to have a Memorex faith where you're still telling the same testimony from the trial you went through 10 years ago. He says, I got to take you from glory to glory so that you can see me in a new way because the testimony you got today ain't the testimony you had five years ago. Is there anybody here? that say I done been through some stuff in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 2019 I done been through five things that I got five different testimonies about how good God has been to me anybody in here that say I ain't got a Memorex faith but I got a faith that I know for sure that I've been tried in the fire and I came out as pure gold stop recycling that same old testimony go deeper in God for him to give you a new testimony he says, watch this, suffering is what prunes us. Suffering is what cleanses us. Suffering is what drives us to Jesus. Suffering deepens us. Suffering enriches us and makes us a faithful disciple. 
When you go through the, pr the pruning process, you are literally in a battle, hear this, in a battle to overpower the instincts of self. You're in a battle to overpower the instincts of self. Myself want to respond right now. Myself want to say something under my breath so they don't hear what I said. My, my self right now wants to, wants to post something real good. I mean, put it together. Self. And when I go through the pruning process, it means that I don't allow, I'm in a battle over overpowering myself. Why is self so powerful? Because I've been told myself yes for a long time. And self is real strong. Whatever I want it, I got. He says you're in a battle over self-preservation, self-reliance, and self-will. The pruning process will not allow you, watch this, to be content in the sin that you're in. Say for everybody. Because fans, not followers, fans of Jesus don't mind the sin and they're fine with it. Followers of Jesus are uncomfortable in it. Even if we do it, we still don't like it. Okay. It's the difference, watch this, between the pig and the sheep. Okay, what do I mean by that? What you mean the difference between the pig and the sheep? The pig wallows in the mud. The pig is happy in the mud. The pig gets in the mud and says, oink, rolls around in the mud. But the sheep, when it gets dirty, all of a sudden cries out bad, bad, because he knows he is not comfortable in the environment of the mud. And is there anybody here that say, I'm tired of living like a pig. It's time for me to be a sheep. And when the sin gets on me, I'm going to cry out to God and say, God created me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit. Is there anybody in here that say, I thank God that I'm not comfortable in what I used to be comfortable in. I thank God that he's changed me, that I don't like the sin. I used to be a part in and even if I do it I don't like it because God is doing something where he's pruning me on the inside some of you are in the pruning process he's pruning you he's pruning you can I say this I need to say this not on the page I hear this from the Lord the Lord is saying in this season watch people that fall away because right now what he's revealing is people that can't handle the pruning process See, sometimes God will undergo the pruning process to see, will you stay on the surgery table or will you jump off and run and say ain't nothing wrong? Thank you, Lord, for that one right there. Look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball, and say, neighbor, stay on the table. Yeah, get all the surgery. Let him cut everything out. Let him get everything out. Let him purge you. Let him prune you. Let him process you. Don't jump up off the table and try to run away from it, but stay right there so that God can do what he wants to do in your life. And here's the promise, 1 Peter 4, verse number 12 through 13. 1 Peter 4, verse number 12 through 13. Are y'all getting something from this? 1 Peter 4, verse number 12 through 13. My, my heart is just over, just overjoyed that y'all learning this word. It really is. It blesses me every Sunday. It, you know what it's getting me? If you don't fall out, if you don't cry, if you don't shout, but you getting the word, I'm happy. I'm happy. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall stand forever. Not my worship, my word will stand forever. So when trials come, you got the word on the inside of you. You got something to withstand. Because sometimes praise don't get it. Worship don't always work. 
you got to have that word on the inside of you. First Peter 4, verse number 12 through 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. In, an, in as much you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I came to prophesy to somebody that you in the pruning process, but his glory is getting ready to be revealed on your life. God help me. You went through the pruning, pruning process of not having enough money, but God getting, getting ready to bless you in such a way that his glory going to be revealed on your life. You went through the pruning process of keeping your mouth shut, and God is saying he getting ready to reveal his glory on your life that when you kept your mouth shut, God was fighting your battle the whole way. Is there anybody in here that could give God just a little bit of praise for the word that just came forth, that his glory is getting ready to be revealed over your life because you went through the process of being pruned. Go through, the, go through the cross process. Go through the testing. When you face the moment of suffering, God says, I'll give you the grace for the moment. I'll give you the grace for the moment. Slight affliction, or just for a moment. I'll give you the grace for the moment. You're going to make it through this. I feel like encouraging somebody right there because you feel like you're about to die. God says, good, but you're going to have the grace for the moment. I need you to touch somebody around you and tell them you got the grace for the moment. Come on, touch somebody else and tell them you got the grace for the moment. I know it looked bad. I know you've been crying. I know you've been walking around. I know you've been suffering. I know you've been hurting, but God said, I'm going to give you grace for the moment. I know it seemed like it ain't going to work out, but God says weeping may endure for a night, but joy going to come in them. I came to encourage somebody, grab somebody by the hands shake it real good and tell him you got the grace for the moment god gonna lift you up god gonna rescue you from this and his glory is gonna be revealed on your life just give it a little bit more time just go through your process but god said i'm gonna give you grace for the moment you got the grace for the moment you got the grace for the moment you got the grace for the moment just going on through you got the grace for the moment god is gonna get you through this and you're going to come out on the other side with his glory. So number one, self-denial. Number two, cross-bearing. But number three, loyal obedience. Loyal obedience. Um, uh, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And what? And follow me. In the original, you know, I, look, I love to look up stuff. That's why, you know, I'm the pastor. Um, in the original, it literally says, let him be following me. Jesus just didn't say, follow me. He said, let him be following me. Let him be following me. Sound like bad English, but don't miss the principle. What he's saying is, it's an ongoing process. It's an everyday process. Following Jesus is an everyday process. It, it, it is not something you just do on Sunday, and then you don't do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's an ongoing, you got to follow him every day. Every day. I need thee. Oh, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. I have to have him every single. Listen, I can't, I can't, I can't think that I got it on my own. Can, let me bless you right, real good right here. Be careful that you let blessings think that you can handle it by yourself. Because I notice that we do this. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me as well. That when God starts to bless us, we take our hand away from God and think we got it on our own now. God is saying, if you're going to follow me, it's a daily process. For some of us, it's an hourly process. For some of us, it's a minute by minute. It's a second by second. It's a nanosecond by nanosecond. There's not a moment where I can let go of his hand. 
Watch this. It's an ongoing process. Jesus is calling his people to be cons- constant followers, not just Sunday-only followers, not just social media followers. You know social media followers. You can give a scripture to the world, and then when we see you in person, you can cuss like there's no tomorrow. Help us, Jesus. But Jesus is calling his people to make a radical commitment to follow him all the time, all the way to the end. And the word follow here means too many th- two, two things. Watch this. The first thing this word follow means, it means to imitate. Imitate. Let the church say imitate. We are to imitate, watch this, not your pastor, not your bishop, not your prayer partner, not Annie and them, not Big Mama. He says to imitate Christ. You are to imitate Christ. We are to mimic what the Lord does. Here we go. Love like he loves. Live like he lived. Sacrifice like he was sacrificed. Serve like he would serve. Talk it like he would walk it. Mm. Obey like he would obey. See, the word follow means to imitate. You do what I do. This is the power of Father's Day. Because fathers are designed to be imitated. There are, when we look at our father, we start to pick up their mannerisms and sound like them and walk like them and talk like them. Come on, I ain't only talking about boys to, to men. I'm talking about girls, daddy little girls as well. The older you get, the more you sound like them. You walk like them. Because fathers are to be imitated. And what God is saying is that you are to imitate Christ. The word follow also means to obey. Obey. Jesus is saying to us that disobedience was the way you used to live before me. But now that you know me and you belong to me, obedience is the way of discipleship. And Jesus is not talking about perfection, but it means choosing to do what Jesus commands us to do. It means imitating him to the place that we do what he does, say what he says, move the way he moved, serve the way he served, and give the way he gave. It means you got to love your enemies. You got to pray for those who hurt you. You got to forgive those who offend you. Stop falling out with everybody. 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 I don't know why I got to keep saying this. Stop falling out with everybody. He's saying it for you and me. Stop falling out with everybody. Because Jesus didn't fall out with you when you did him wrong. God help me. (laughs) I know you got a clean cutoff spirit. You got a good old cutoff spirit on you. But God is saying stop falling out with everybody because I didn't fall out with you when you cut me off and when you tried to do me dirty. There's things I told you to do and you betrayed me but I still was a friend that stayed closer than a brother. So how in the world you going to turn around and try to cut everybody off just because they didn't perform in the moment that you wanted to perform in. I ain't talking about toxic people. I'm talking about good people that should have stayed in your life but because you don't know how to open yourself up and accept people for how they are there it is because God is saying that's why you need to get like me I accepted your tail like you are why don't you accept somebody else like they are grab your neighbor by the hand and tell them you're gonna have to accept me like I am the good the bad the indifferent accept me flaws and all Can I say something? Stop coming to church 
with a standard for the people of God that's higher than the people on your job? Them people on your job do you dirty every single day. and You still skinning and grinning in their face. But then you come to church and the first time you fall out, you mad at everybody as if everybody did you dirty. The devil is a liar. God says he's going to unite us in love. He's going to unite us in love. He gonna, and you know what love means? I love you with the good and the bad. I love, you when you're I love you when you're happy. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're up. I love you when you're down. I love you when you're talking about me. I love you when you ignore me. I got to love you with that kind of love. 1 John 2, verse number 6. 1 John 2, verse number 6. First John 2, way in the back. First John 2, verse number 6. First John 2, verse number 6. You got it? It's a heavy one right here. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You know what I mean? Stop saying you got the Holy Ghost and you nasty, everybody. Stop, stop speaking in tongues over the hatred in your heart. You know what I couldn't understand from the old church? I, I told you about Mother Jones. Um, Sister Jones was a mean somebody in church. I hope she never hears this. But she's still living. She was mean. That's gum in your mouth. Spit it out. Well, good morning to you too. <laughs> Mother Jones, y'all ain't old school like I am, but um, Mother Jones, this is the deaconess row. And only deaconesses sit up here. I remember one time. Never mind, let me keep going. <laughs> I mean, she was just mean. And spirit would get high in the church. So when I was in high school. And Mother Jones would shout all over the church. I mean, clear rose out. I mean, just shout all over the church. And turn right around. After she just got finished, tearing up the church. And the text we just read says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Jesus loved the unlovable. Jesus, watch this, he wasn't rude. He wasn't inconsiderate. Jesus gave, even when they didn't even have. Jesus feed these people. Well, what we got? Two fish and five loaves of bread. Let's use that. He didn't hold back because of hurt from other people. He kept, this is what the Lord is teaching me in this season, he kept pouring even to vessels that acted like they didn't want it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And the reason why some of you are caught up in the season that you're in right now is because you stopped pouring based upon the hurt that you received from somebody else. 
You got to live like Jesus lived. You got to pour to vessels that ain't like they don't even want it. Because you need me more than you realize. You got to walk as he walked. Word says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Mm. So what happens? Obedience becomes the centerpiece of discipleship. If you follow me and obey my words, you are my true disciple. John 15 says, if you are my friends, then you will do what I command you. James 1 says, don't be a hearer only, but a doer of my word. So our lives become marked by obedience. We obey the word of God. Can I help you? Can I help you? Watch this church, and you got to obey it with joy. You got to obey it with love. You got to obey it with gratitude. You got to obey it gladly. That's why God says, I love a cheerful giver. I don't want you giving me something, and you got an attitude about it, and your mouth all poked out. Well, I'm going to get this, but dang, we got to give again. No, he says, do it with joy, because when you do it with joy, I'll exceed your expectation and give you more than enough. Is there anybody here that say, my worship ain't got no ill will behind it. I worship with joy. I worship gladly. I praise him with everything I got. There's a blessing that comes with this level of obedience, and I'm done. Deuteronomy 5.33. Last scripture, I'm done. Deuteronomy 5.33. He says, when you obey, here is the blessing that comes to your life. Deuteronomy 5.33. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 5.33. We ready? Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. God says your obedience is getting ready to let you possess some stuff you ain't never possessed before. God says obedience is getting ready to bless your life. He says you're getting ready to live and prosper. I need you to grab your neighbor by the hand for the last time. Say, neighbor, I prophesy to you that when you walk in obedience, you will live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you will possess. I need somebody to give God glory right there. He says that's what's coming to you when you walk in obedience. Get ready to own some stuff. Get ready to live like you never lived before. Get ready to be blessed like you've never been blessed before. Is there anybody here that say, I'm lining my life up so that I obey his will because there's some blessings that's coming to my life that eyes have not seen and ears have not and do I have anybody in here that's ready to walk in obedience to what God says. God says, I'm getting ready to bless your life and prolong your get ready to live like you never lived before everybody's standing I'm done he says this is what happens when you walk in obedience to my word this is what I'm requiring of you to walk in obedience to my word and when you do this you'll live like you've never lived before this is what God is requiring Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you for your word on today. Thank you for these last three weeks of you telling us that if we're going to be your disciple, we must first deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you. 
thank you, Lord, that you're changing us to be the people of God you called us to be. We honor you on today, God, that even though this process might not be fun, and even if this process may hurt a little bit, we know that we're going to follow you all the way. Because better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. Better to walk with you than to be all by ourselves without you. So thank you. God, give us a determination. Give us a determination. Give us a determination that we will go through the process to be what you've called us to be. I want you to take a moment to lift your hands and just thank God that you are lining your life up in obedience to his word. Tell the Lord, yes, I will obey. I'm not going to struggle with your will any longer. Yes, I will obey. Even when it hurts, I will obey. I tell you yes. My answer to you is yes. I will serve you for the rest of my days. Not my will, but your will be done. Thank you, and I bless you. In Jesus' great name we pray. Give God the best praise you can right there. Last time, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, you never confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior.